All right, hello everybody, and welcome to the trailer episode of the Bleeding Grave podcast. I am one of your hosts, Hannah. And I'm your other host, Austin. Man, it is exciting to be here, isn't it, Hannah? Boy, howdy, it sure is. <laughs> Boy, howdy, absolutely. <laughs> so today, so we decided to do a little trailer episode for you guys, just to kind of give you kind of uh, a quick glimpse into... A little taste, if little, you will. A little taste of what we're going to start bringing to you guys I hope that you will enjoy this like we have been thoroughly enjoying our research and everything on different topics. And today we're just going to, I know for me today, I'm going to share some uh, Minnesota fun facts. They may be fun. They may be not, depending on your uh, your definition of fun facts. We're also, I know Hannah has prepared some questions as well for both of us here on asking questions just to kind of pick your brain pick just, our own brains and you know what yeah, yeah i was just kind of thinking i was like how can we introduce ourselves without it just kind of being in the room like hello who are you <laughs> right it's a little more interesting it's more like it's pertaining it's pertaining to this like why why are we doing this to kind of help you understand why we're doing this just kind of who we are and ooh, excuse me you need to calm down a little bit there <laughs> anyway so one of my first questions is what do you think kind of got you into this kind of stuff, like the macabre, the spooky, the dark stuff. Like, where do you think that starts for you? You know, where it starts for me is probably high school. Just, you know, you start getting a whole bigger friend base group and you start realizing different interests you have. And what definitely started for me was for my forensics class in high school, learning about serial killers. And that just kind of, it just kind of stayed there for the longest time until podcasts started becoming more of a thing. Mm-hmm. Hannah introduced me to... And that's why we drink. And that really like set me off on my journey to get more interested back into serial killers. Because, you know, sometimes you, you lose interest things, like, and then you come back. It's fascinating. It's in the back of your head. You're yeah. always fascinated by it. Mm-hmm. But now that information is so accessible through podcasts and documentaries, too. but especially podcasts, because it's something mm-hmm. that you can listen to, um, which is why you're doing whatever. Exactly. Exactly. And I know as well, the Mile Higher podcast uh, definitely solidified my wanting to be a part of the true crime supernatural, the niche group of podcasting, mm-hmm. because it's so it's so interesting and there's so many stories to cover. I don't think I've heard a, any podcast I listen to cover the same topic twice. Yeah, I would say like, and that's why we drank lore. Those are some huge podcasts for me. And I think what kind of got me into all of this was um, growing up, my mom always had Coast to Coast playing on her radio at night. And I will admit I was a little scaredy baby. So I would sleep on my parents' bedroom floor a lot as a kid. So I'd fall asleep listening to Coast to Coast. That checks out. Uh, So here I am. Another thing, speaking of Coast to Coast, obviously that is another inspiration of mine but jim harold's campfire the campfire is wonderful and it really reminds me of coast to coast it has that same kind of atmosphere of just call in and tell us your weird story (laughs) so i just wanted to mention those things real quick get those in there yeah absolutely another thing to point out also i I don't know of too many other podcasters that are in minnesota as well i know of a few oh do you yeah um there's the wine and crime girls they're originally from minnesota okay um two hot takes i know a lot of them are originally from minnesota or Mm. they met at the u when they were going to school um i have a friend who did a um i think it was a D &D podcast if i remember correctly okay um i have a friend from work now who has a podcast where she kind of does the same thing she just talks about like the the spooky and the weird stuff if i remember correctly right 
But yeah, I yeah, podcasting is it's becoming more popular up here, and honestly, I'm not I'm surprised it didn't catch on a bit sooner. I know that there are way more podcasters than that. It's not just the five of us. No, but, no, no. Um, there's yeah, there's a lot of podcasters. But like, I gotta say, like in Minnesota well, here, how I don't much know. We have to hunker down in the winter, and we just have nothing to do. Like that's what that's a lot of what the last few weeks have been for me in Austin. We're like, you know what? It's cold. Why don't we? I'll just come over, and we will just hang out and work on researching and. Exactly. Trying stuff, practicing recording, making sure that the equipment is working. It is. <laughs> but so shall we get going here? Because I know we both have some fun facts. I will start first. So I more so will be covering like the true crime, but it can also bounce back and forth. But that'll be That's up the thing to... about this podcast, because it's kind of the tagline is a podcast about the macabre. Mm-hmm. We're going to really cover anything that kind of interests us. It just happens that most of what interests us is kind of dark, spooky, macabre. Yep. But every once in a while, we might venture off and do something a bit different. Just just because. <laughs> and exactly. also because you can't focus on the dark all the time. Sometimes you need yeah. a little palate cleanser. Exactly. Can't be, can't be in the negative all the time. If you're negative all the time, it's a terrible place to be. Trust <laughs> me. So without further ado, let's get into these uh, Minnesota fun facts. Also, before I get into the Minnesota fun facts, I just want to remind everyone the definition of what a serial killer is. A person who commits a series of murders, often with no apparent motive, and typically following a characteristic or predictable behavior pattern. Usually also consists of three plus murders, usually a series of murders. Yeah. Let me tell you, Minnesota has had 18 serial killers that have killed more than three people. 18? 18. And what... What year was the state, like, actually made a state? 1958, I think. So, or assuming, 1948. So, assuming that's since then. Sorry. I get caught up on the minor details. <laughs> that's okay. That's why we have Google. Oh, um, I'm sorry. Not 1958. 1858. Ah. Mm-hmm. Hmm. Yeah, I don't know why I was thinking 1958. Yeah, I was going to say, that seems really soon. Very soon, exactly, for Re- how regard- long. But regardless, <clears throat> that's 18 serial killers and roughly 200 years Mm -hmm. exactly and most of them are within the last 30 to 40 years as well so but that's with all dna and all the new forensic stuff we have as well finding people like this because i mean a serial killer wasn't even a definition until probably the late early uh, mid to mid to late 70s i will let you know that the most notorious minnesota serial killer is his name is paul Michael Stefani, aka the Weepy Voiced Killer. I ooh ooh ooh! I know this one. You do? I okay. know this one, and like, I hate it. Thank you. You you are very welcome. You're also gonna hate this because it's one of the first five episodes that I want to do. Wonderful. There are more than two hundred thousand. Yes, I said two hundred thousand unsolved cases that have gone cold since 1980. Ooh. Here, just in Minnesota. I mean, 200,000 in, what is that, 40 years? That's a lot. So those are some of the fun facts. Here's some other, here's a here's a fun fact, another fun fact for you as well. Um, do you know how many active serial killers there are to this day that the FBI know about? In Minnesota? No. Just in? In, in the United States. In the United States. Mm-hmm. Um, it's like, isn't it somewhere like around 180,000? No. No? No. That the FBI know about? is 11 11 serial killers not oh, just killers oh yes that's like right. if it was just killers that's right we're talking about serial we're killers talking about serial killers. <laughs> here's i i also found like brains working I, too hard yes there are 11 
active, and I forgot to leave, I, I actually left that part out. There are 11 active serial killers to this day. What, that, who are they? So here's just a few that I found uh, interesting. I'm just going to kind of give a quick synopsis. These are also ones that I will be covering later on sometime down the road. So to name a few, the I-70 killer started killing in 1992. He has killed at least six people. Well, actually, we don't know if he's a he, but from the sketches that we've seen, it's a fairly older gentleman. He has killed six people, shot and killed them on I-70 between Terrett Hout, uh, Indiana, and Wichita, Kansas. That's a pretty long stretch. That's a very long stretch. Mm-hmm. Uh, another no one is the Long Island killer. In 2010, four bodies were discovered on a beach on Long Island. And then the following spring, law enforcement discovered another six bodies on that same beach. Oh my God. And that one's a really interesting one, and I can't wait to bring that one up. And the last one I found interesting as well is the Chisago. Uh, that's a city in Minnesota. Yeah, I know. I was going to say that's very no. close to home. No, no, no. Uh, the Chicago Strangler. So this one is going to be a very fun one to cover, I think. Um, sorry, I'm getting too close or too far away from the mic. Um, we are currently sitting on the ground, so... Sorry I know, about the we, shifting. We are, yeah, shifting quite a lot because <laughs> knees and hips and sitting on a floor. <laughs> yeah, eventually we'll have a couch in here. Anyways, so the uh, Chicago Strangler, this this is going to kind of piss you off a bit. Uh, so in 2019, it came out that there were many strangling murders by suffocation strangulation of more than 75 women. And do you know when the first account happened? 2001 but a story didn't break out on it until 2019 so from 2001 to 2017 75 women were murdered by this person and no one knew or a copycat killer of some kind let me guess they were women that were generally lower class and they all kind of fit the same that's going to be for when okay. I tell the okay. story. Okay, okay, fair. Do you have any more So, uh, you know, unfortunately, that's all I have for now. Well, I have I have some. Hannah's got fun facts. So, all right. on my end, um, I'm going to be covering more of, like, the paranormal and the spooky and all of that. And I thought, in honor of this being the trailer episode, and the name of the podcast being the Bleeding Grave podcast, I would talk about Bleeding Graves a little bit. But the thing about Bleeding Grave stories is that they're all incredibly short. And I didn't want to cover all of them because a lot of them can be very similar. So I'm a few of the more well-known ones um, are going to be Cape Blood, which was actually just over in Wisconsin. Um, there's the Rocky Hill Bleeding Grave in Maryland, and then Richard Smith in Hinckley in the United Kingdom, which we thought was Hinckley here. I thought was Hinckley here. Oops. My bad. We um, have two different spellings, by the way. So most Tales of Bleeding Graves, like I said, seem to be short. A lot of them seem to have a lot of inaccuracies. I know that the Cape Blood story is pretty well known for having a lot of inaccuracies in it, depending on which version you hear. So multiple variations. Sometimes the information in the lore is just downright incorrect when you compare it to the historical records. Usually investigation teams aren't able to really get any evidence when investigating Bleeding Graves. As far as I know, with the Rocky Hill Bleeding Grave, Uh, supposedly that one, the headstone has been replaced multiple times and it still bleeds. Uh, but there's never been a forensic team out there to collect blood or do any samples or anything like that, which I think would be a great first place to start. But why is that? Why won't they go out? 
I, because I, do they think that it's just crazy people probably, telling this or i i don't know i didn't get to get too much into it okay but supposedly it's like been a, a reoccurring thing okay so the concept itself is interesting I could see it being something that correlates with vampire stories or the notoriously consumption TB stories um, and the lore associated with those. So that's about all I have, but I did find a list of cemetery lore, so I figured we could go through that and just talk about a few a few little fun facts. The title of this document is Cemetery Folklore, The Lighter Side of the Grave, and it is was researched by Mary Ellen Stubb. Missoula Cemetery in Sexton. So here we go. We're just going to do a few of these, and then I think we're going to end each of our episode with just a random fun fact cemetery folklore thing. There we go. So I am familiar with this one. This was one that we had growing up, that you have to hold your breath while you're passing a cemetery. Otherwise, you might breathe in the spirit of someone who has recently died. See, that's one I've never heard before. Yeah, it was that, or um, you would die soon, or something like that. Oh. But but it was regardless. It was hold your breath while passing a cemetery, which going by, going by Fort Snelling, it's gonna take a while. You better take a big deep breath. Oh, real big deep breath. Apparently, also tuck your thumbs into your fists when passing a cemetery to protect your parents. That hmm. one, I that one I was not familiar with. Why protect your? Why, what's the significance of the thumb, though? My best um, guess would be how kind of anytime there's opposites, there's like multiple associations so there could be associations between the left and the right and the feminine and the masculine and thumb being on each hand and it's just it's an easy it's just the sim- okay. it's the symbolism of taking saying of being like my okay thumbs so are, yeah, more my of thumbs- a symbolism yeah, than, it's, yeah okay. it's more of a symbolism like I'm, okay yeah Makes so sense. all windows should be opened at the moment of death or soon after the death so that a soul may have a speedy journey to the other side and so they don't get stuck in the house or wherever they are. Yeah, I don't blame them for wanting to get off this plane of existence. Honestly. Oh, removing a corpse. A corpse should be removed from the house feet first. So you're carrying them. The feet should leave the house first to prevent their spirit from looking back into the house and beckoning another member of the family to follow. Which I think is interesting because I've heard of families, um, I think it was specifically a listener story on, and that's why we drink. I have heard of families not answering the phones when they know that somebody has passed. Oh. Because it may be the re- that past relative calling oh, and trying, trying to... trying to call and entice you to come with them or mm-hmm. beckon you to... Yeah. Whatever the word was. I think you said beckon yeah. to join them in the afterlife, mm-hmm. which... Which I think, why are we just assuming that spirits are inherently evil? Right. Or... Or, try, or trying to, like, bring death upon I wonder if others. this came from, like, a family member who was, like, was super selfish or something like that, and it just kind of snowballed into a, a lore of some I don't, kind. I don't know. I don't, or a superstition. I, like I said, I think it was, like, from a listener episode or something on And That's Why We Drink. Um, oh, yeah. It was somebody's family said that. Oh. But I, I think I've heard other stories um, similar to that as well. I feel like it shouldn't really matter which way you bring out... A corpse for one but also not to answer the phone like i get it in a sense yeah but it's just it's, it's, just, it's, it's superstitions yeah and it's like i'm not knocking anybody any one culture superstition or yeah. family like even families within certain cultures they also have their own difference yeah. of celebration of life or uh exactly. taking care of the dead so it's it's very fascinating and i and i can't wait to explore this even uh further as we get further down the road on this podcast as well yeah 
Um, I've got a couple more. Oh, do you? Let's yeah. hear them. Bodies. Oh, so this is about wakes. Bodies were watched over every minute for three to four days after death to prevent a premature bur- burial for someone who might simply be in a coma rather than actually dead. I have one to add to that. I don't know if you've heard the term saved by the bell. Um, yeah, the caskets with the with the bell. Yep. Mm-hmm. Do you want to tell that one? Do you know off the top of your head? Um, yeah, I do. So there was, and I think it was similar um, circumstances for coma mm-hmm. uh, and things like that. But Yeah, they didn't know if they were dead or yeah, not this sometimes. Yeah, this was before people knew how to tell whether yeah. somebody was alive or not. So what they ended up doing, because there had ended up being premature burials, mm-hmm. was that they would tie... They make a casket that had a stick that came all the way up to the surface, and there would be a string tied to a bell that was at the surface, and the string would run all the way down into a hole through the casket. And so if somebody were to wake up in a casket, they could ring the bell. The only issue with this was they were six feet under, so you had to hope that they had enough oxygen to last until they got them dug up. Mm-hmm. So You know, there's some that actually had that that were still alive, but they freaked out and didn't see it. Mm-hmm. So when they opened up the caskets for... I don't know the exact reason off well, the top I'm of my head. Well, I'm sure they probably heard the bell because they were probably... Well, no, this is like, this was like 100 years after. Oh, Like yeah. doing like uh, archaeological claw work. marks. Yeah, yeah there's claw um, marks on the top of the coffin. You, like they have pictures and everything. And yeah. it's just, that's scary to think about to be like trapped. I'm like, I don't have like a fear of being in a small tight area. Was that cla- uh, claustrophobia? Mm-hmm. I don't have that. But just imagine waking up in a dark place that's like, it's right, just, you can hardly bi- move. Like yeah. it's literally only big enough for your body. Yeah, that's it. That's just scary, and just to see those claw marks like that, someone trying to get out. Man, it's freaky to think about. Uh, spine chills. When you experience a chill up your spine, someone has just walked over your future gravesite. See, I don't like that one because every time I think about that, every time now, every time I get a chill up my spine, I'm gonna think about that. And then I have one more that we'll, we'll end Make on a note, then. about mazes. Mazes were placed at some cemetery entrances to prevent spirits from returning to the world as it was known that ghosts could only travel in a straight line. At that time, it was that's, that's kind of arrogant to think that ghosts could only walk in a straight line. Right? And like, so, so does that mean they can only go in one direction in a straight line? Or like, can they turn, but it can only, but they can, like. But there is that theory, though, that when we see ghosts or you catch ghosts on a camera or something like that, that they're just following a path from their past life. Well, or yeah. Or reenacting well, it of something. Well, like yeah, that. it depends on the type of haunting. So either ghosts will um, follow previous floor plans of spaces of how they were when they were alive if a space has been renovated or they will be like a residual haunting and th- these two can overlap as well but they'll be a residual haunting and they will be just essentially going through the motions of their life it's almost like um our dimension is overlapping with their dimension when it is that time and so we're seeing it gotcha i mean that makes sense now but you know what i think we have our trailer episode